Let's open our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter four. I've entitled the morning's message, Abraham and the Promises of God. Paul read for us our text. And I'm gonna review just a little bit so that you can see the flow of Paul's thinking as he addresses um, um, our righteousness is by faith and faith alone. In Romans chapters three and four, Paul is speaking to the Romans about the difference between outward religion and a personal relationship with God. If you just flip your page back to chapter two, uh, looking at verses 28 and 29, He says, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. In other words, if you are Jewish, and you were circumcised, which Jews are on the eighth day of uh, their birth, Um, they attributed their circumcision to a right relationship with God. And that's what Paul is, he's saying, no, 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 you're missing it here. It's not the cutting away of the flesh, but it's the cutting away of your heart. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might, and strength, amen? But it's not religiosity, And um, for the Jew, that was the sign that things were cool between you and God. For us Gentiles, many believe they're right with God because they were baptized as an infant. It's part of salvation. Uh, They know about God, but they don't have a personal relationship with them, him. And if you ask them if they're going to heaven, say, yes, I was baptized when I was an infant. In. And... uh, but the relationship is not there. So we find Jesus addresses this thinking in Matthew 7, and I'll just read it, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I've said this before. um, When people say, if I'm witnessing or whatever, oh, you're religious. And I say, that's the last thing I am. And then I tell them, I hate religion. And that really, really sets them back. And I said, let me explain myself. I said, I believe religion keeps people from coming to have a personal relationship with God. For the Jew, it's circumcision. For the Protestant, it's infant baptism. And um, because of these outward things, that doesn't mean that um, you have a living relationship with the Lord. You must be born again. Nicodemus was rich, he was religious, and he was self-righteous. He had all the above. But he was troubled by Jesus and he wanted to know why you're different because nobody can do these things unless God is with them. So the Lord cuts to the quick (laughs) and simply tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
and Nicodemus became a secret believer. And um, we'll meet him someday. Now, as we get into our study, Paul is going to use Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Ishmael as Old Testament pictures of a New Testament teaching of salvation by faith apart from works or religious expressions. Let's put it that way. But before we begin with that, I'd like you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We call it the Hall of Faith, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And we have all these examples beginning with um, um, Enoch and then Noah. And then we come up to Abraham and Sarah, who are going to be front and center in our study of God's word this morning. So chapter 11, let's pick it up in verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would afterwards receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. And by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has a foundation whose builder and maker is God. And now in verse 11, we talk about Sarah. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because because she judged him faithful who was promised. I have... And my Bible, really, written after that with a question mark. And I'll show you why later. But here it categorically says that uh, she had this faith and um, it's written in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, um, therefore, through one man and him, as good as dead, was born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that we're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Let me just make this statement at this time. Gang, it's time to get our our roots out of this world, our technical, hanging on to it, and start letting more and more let go of that and realize you are a pilgrim and you are a stranger and we are just passing through. It's appointed under man once to die and then the judgment. And unless we are really majoring on the majors, which is that, according to Colossians 3.1, if you're born again, and seek those things which are above, where Christ is. And um, I have to apologize for many American Christians. Um, I told Elijah Abraham I'd be praying for him. His son had uh, passed a a stone through his kidney, and he was taken to the emergency ward. And um, I can't talk to him without him telling us what it's like in other countries, and then he has to come back to America. And he calls us American Christians. He does make exceptions. 
He says there's Calvary chapels that, like uh, Donna was sharing earlier, get the simple um, layout of what we should be doing. Apostles doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and uh, prayer. And um, that's what we are to be involved in. And then to equip you. In other words, we go through the Bible, teach through the Bible. It says in Ephesians, that's my job. It says, for the equipping of the saints, that's you guys, <laughs> so that you can do the work of ministry. Yeah, but Dwight, I got this job and I got to work, and I'm around all these people and so on. That's your ministry, if that's where you are. And the Bible says to stay in that place where you were when you got saved unless the Lord calls you out otherwise. So when people come up to me and say, oh, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do, and he says, has he spoke to you directly about doing anything else other than what you're doing right now? No, then stay there. And you be salt and light to that influence of people that you're around. Good place for an amen. So our job is to come here on Sunday, get fed, get equipped, so that uh, we can be reinforced to be light and salt when we go to work on Monday morning. All right, let's continue it. Um, They had hope in this city, verse 16, but now they desire better that is a heavenly country, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed will be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now, underline the word figurative sense. Why? Because something is being played out here. What Hebrews tells us that we don't know from when this actually happened is that God had made a promise to Abraham that his descendants were gonna be through Isaac. And now he's asking him to put him to death. But we find out in Hebrews that he had certain knowledge that even if he did kill him, which we know the Lord stopped that before it would happen, but here we're told he had the knowledge that God would have to raise him from the dead if he killed him. Why? Because God promised. And God cannot break his promise. Another good place for an amen. But it blew my mind the first time I wrapped my head around it. I mean, Abraham knew all the time that if he died, he was, because of God's promise, he would have to bring him back to life. He went into this with a knowledge of the resurrection, in other words. So I came back here because it makes it sound like Sarah had all this faith that when God spoke to her about having children, I got, really? That's question mark, question mark. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, uh, verses one through 12. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, notice it's not Sarai yet or Abraham, it's Sarai and Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to, Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. 
And Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Cana, so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. And then Sarai said to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. And Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do with her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring of the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from? Where are you going? And she said, well, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And so the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit yourself unto her hand. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, I'm going to multiply your descendants exceedingly so they shall not be counted for multitudes. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you will bear a son. You will call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. Now his personality in verse 12 is gonna be important for our message this morning. He shall be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him and he will dwell in the presence of his brethren. Now, Ishmael and his descendants. The descendants of Ishmael became known as Arabs. I'm just gonna let that sink in for a second. The descendants of Ishmael are what we know as the Arabs of today, which basically means nomads. From the beginning, the descendants of Ishmael were warlike people as they lived in hostile territories. All the tribes related to them. Uh, This fulfilled God's earlier word that Ishmael would be a wild donkey of a man. His hand would be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and will live in hostility with his brothers. Now I'm gonna come back to more about Ishmael in a little bit, but let's go to Genesis 18. Let's turn the page. And um, the first nine verses here, I'm just gonna tell it to you and we'll pick it up in um, verse nine. But this is, Uh, the Lord with two angels coming to Abraham's tent. And when Abraham saw him, he said, my Lord, um, please don't go away. Will you stay here just for a while? And um, I'd like to make some bread for you and uh, uh, get some fresh meat. Um, And he puts this before the Lord. And we read in verse six, 
verse five, do as you have said. So Abraham hastened to the tent to Sarah and said, quickly make three measures of fine meal, knead it, make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender young good calf, gave it to the young man, said hurry up and prepare it. Verse eight I'm gonna comment on. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Little sidetrack here. Um, for those of you who have gone to Israel with us and um, you've tried to order um, bacon and eggs and have milk with it, what happens? And say, no, we will not serve milk and meat at the same meal. And the irony of this, when you go back to the very beginning of it, this is exactly what Abraham did. Butter, (laughs) cakes, and a lamb that was killed. So I've actually asked people in in restaurants, they said, this is what I really want, but you're not allowing us to do it. Are you familiar with this story from from, uh, Genesis, the first time Abraham met the Lord? and the Lord stayed for supper, and what they had for supper that night? All right, I'll just leave that there. Let's pick it up now in verse nine. And let's, let's look at the great faith here of Sarah. Then they said to her, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, oh, she's in tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife will have a son, and Sarah was listening in the tent door. I can just see her sitting there, ear, ear to the tent door. And Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah passed the age of time bearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, he was 100. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, surely I will bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Will you allow that to minister to your personal situation, whatever you might be going through this morning? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer, of course, is not. That's why he's omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing. And uh, there is nothing that the Lord cannot do. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it. It's like a little boy who got his hand caught in a cookie jar. Were you in the cookie jar? No, mommy, I was not in the cookie jar. Were you laughing, Sarah? No, I wasn't laughing. And she denied it and said, I did not laugh. For she was afraid and said, no, you did laugh. And so I read Hebrews chapter 11 and I read of the great faith of Sarai. But when you go back and read it, you go, Sarah had great faith? No, she laughed out loud. She thought it was the funniest thing she ever heard. That she was going to have a baby at 90 years old. And do you know what the name Isaac means? It means laughter. (laughs) Now, let's make this personal. I'd like you to turn with me. Stay here because we're coming back here. But let's go to Mark chapter nine in the New Testament. 
And um, this is a story of a demon-possessed son whose father beseeches the Lord Jesus to deliver the demon from his son. Let's pick it up in verse 14, and you'll see the point of why I've chose to come to this portion of scripture. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you you discussing with them? Then one from the multitude answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever he seizes him, this is the demonic spirit, he throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke out to your disciples so that they would cast him out, but they couldn't do it. He answered and said to them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has he been like this been happening to him? And he said, since childhood. And often he has been thrown both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now catch this, because this is where many of us, myself included, are at, and how I'm pertaining it to Sarah. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. How many of us can identify with that this morning? I believe in Jesus Christ. I can believe he can do anything. And yet, there's a part of me that says, help my unbelief. In other words, it's not all it's supposed to be. So it begs the question if the issue is about faith. And um, we have faith, but Lord, help us to have some more. How do we get it? Well, the scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Somehow we get encouraged, like I was mentioning earlier with General Boykin and what he told me about the pastors during the Civil War and their involvement with this and their, and their boldness to stand up. Well, those pastors were examples. What was the influence? It affected 337 men in the church to follow him right out into the action. What is it after we're leaving um, your own personal study, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, men's prayer, women's prayer, that we just go out with a little bit more than what we came in with? Good place for an amen. There's nothing that satisfies the soul. We have this song we sing, you satisfy my soul. And there's nothing in this world other than the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of God's word that brings about that satisfaction but also the boldness to step out. And, um, you know, as the song said, everybody's somebody's fool. Paul said, I'm a fool for Christ. And I don't care what people think about me. 
You know what I'm finding out about getting older? I really don't care what people think about me. <laughs> my, dad, my dad used to tell me that. He said, wait do you see, son, you're going to get to an age and you're, you're going to care less what people think. And the best thing you can do is be aware of what God thinks and knowing that um, um, it's older. Let me just be honest with you for parents with um, children, even our graduates right now, and what they emotionally must be going through. And they're learning about these things. I mean, it's coming out. People are gonna hear that Johnson & Johnson just called back 60 million doses of this vaccine. Well, if I'm 18 years old, I know what I was like when I was 18 years old. I had my whole life ahead of me. And I was dreaming about going here and doing this and going there and all that. And now we got this um, vaccine that said if I was a part of that, why should I go to work when I can make more money staying at home? They come lazy, there's no work ethic involved, and they know things aren't going back to normal. And so my heart personally goes out to you parents who have kids that are younger, and you have to hear stuff like this. But I can't help but at least present it to you. And then as the heads of your house, you have to decide how you're gonna disperse this in a wise and tactful way uh, to your family and friends if you do it all. You know, so... But my heart does go out for the younger people today because they're not going to grow up with paper outs like I did and playing ball and doing all the, all the things that I did growing up as a kid. Let's get back to, um, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What it goes on next to describe is that there's different levels of spiritual warfare. And this one was bad. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, you death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. There's a reason for the no more, because there's other places in the scripture that demons are cast out, and it says they go out and find seven that are worse than them and come back and inhabit the same person. So it's important it's no more here was a direct command from the, the Lord who created him. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he's dead. This is the, the, the young boy. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples came to him privately and said, Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said, this kind came out only by praying and fasting. In other words, when it talks about powers and principalities, we're talking about um, an order and chain of authority, and evidently in a spiritual realm this exists, where there are the generals, okay? And they're all demons, but there's generals that um, um, have much authority, and then there's the ones that not so much. And that's clearly part of of what we see in the scriptures. Let's make our way back to uh, Genesis 21. I wanted to do the sidetrack here because we can't be too hard on Sarah because she was just looking at reality. 
I'm 90 years old. That ain't happening. Abraham's 100. That ain't happening. And so she thought it was hilarious. And never, nevertheless, uh, that's exactly what happened. So in Genesis 21, we made it to um, verse um, 12. Let's see. Yeah, let's turn to Genesis 21 now. And um, verse 1 through 12 is where I'd like to stop for a second. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son of his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born unto him, who Sarah born him, Isaac, which means laughter. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh so that all those who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, this is Ishmael, their Egyptian woman whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman from her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. It was still his son. And now Sarah's saying, get rid of him. And he's just natural response from a father. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Wherever Sarah has said to you, I want you to listen to her voice. I'm sure there's a lot of women saying, poking their husband in the side right now. <laughs> Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac shall your seed be called. Okay, put your finger here, because we're coming right back to this verse, but I want to go... Um, to Romans chapter 9, which is just a couple pages past where we are in chapter 5. Romans chapter 9, and I'll draw your attention. We'll read the um, Romans 9, make sure this is right. And my verses 1 through 9. I tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. There's a lot of theology here. Paul is saying, I would gladly go to hell if it meant my Jewish people could be saved. And usually I say at this point, I love you guys a lot. I really, really do. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Dylan wrote a song titled, I'm Not Going to Hell for Anybody. That's one of his songs that he wrote. 
who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the services of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternal blessed God, amen. Well, this tells us to those who hold to the dual covenancy, how many of you are familiar with the term, that God has one covenant with the Jew and one covenant with, with the church. That we call it dual covenancy. It's not true. How do I know? Because Paul says so right here. He says they have to, they have to come to a saving relationship with Christ, just like a Gentile. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, slave or free. We're just all sinners. You fall into one or two categories. A forgiven sinner or a lost sinner. That's how God looks at the world. Then he goes on to say in verse six, but that is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But notice, now it's quoted here, in Isaac shall your seed be called. So now he quotes, Paul quotes what we're reading in Genesis 21, in Isaac your seed shall be called. And these, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as the seed. For this is a word of promise, at this time I come and Sarah shall have a son. And let's just leave it back there, go back to Genesis 21. We read in verse 12, this, this, this very thing, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Verse 13, yet I will also make a nation of the son of this bond woman. So Abraham arose early in the morning took some bread and a skin of water, and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it to the, the boy, to Hagar, and sent her away. Then she departed, wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba, and the water and the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs for shade, and then she went and sat down across from him at a distance, about a bow shot, uh, for... She said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand because I'm going to make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and then she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. I want to do a little sidetrack here on, on Ishmael and where they ended up globally speaking. When you trace the descendants, and that's a study within itself, what you come down to is that 
these nations. Ishmael is the people that we know today as Arabs. I'm particularly interested in the state of Iran right now as I also want to keep us up on what's going on in the world. Please look up what happened at Pearl Harbor last week. There are, like I said, I personally believe we are already in a war that's only gonna escalate and I think um, much, much more quickly than people realize. So I do wanna try to keep us up on current events. Um, Just within the last uh, month or so, it's been reported that Iran has not um, is not going to return to the 2015 nuke compliance. So we had rules set up in 2015. They're not going to abide by them. Then there's the International Atomic Energy Agency uh, Director General Grassi told the Organization Board of Governors that he is deeply concerned that Iran is hiding nuclear materials. I'm gonna take it a step farther. I think they already have it. And I think they're sitting on it. And uh, last week, Iran's largest warship just happened to sink. And um, what it was carrying was military vessels. And uh, they only have military vessels on your largest warship in case you're thinking about going to war. And that's where Iran is at today. Need I say that the three main players in Ezekiel 38 war are Russia with Putin, Turkey, Erdogan, and the Khomeini in Iran. And the stage is set as I speak. I don't need to explain this to anybody. You know that the Ezekiel 38 war could happen tomorrow. Russia, last week I I mentioned, they told Israel, if you fly any more missions into Syria, you're at war with us. Well, we're flying more missions into Syria and right around Damascus. How close are we to three major events? The Ezekiel 38 war, the fulfillment of Isaiah 17.1, the complete destruction of Damascus and the rapture of the church. And what I can't tell you is what order they happen in. All I know, as uh, Donna quoted earlier this morning, when these things begin to happen, two things. Don't stop going to church. Maintain the fellowship of the saints. And uh, make sure you love on one another, encourage one another, and do it how much more? More and more and more. As what? As you see the day approaching. Okay, fair, honest question. Answer it in your own heart. Either you see it or you don't. And if you see it, then the the scriptures are clear on how we're to respond to it. Another good place for an amen. And I carry around all these mixed emotions because I feel I know too much. And you know there's a proverb that says with much knowledge comes much sorrow. And I... I'm afraid I know too much. I, I want to do my research. I don't want to um, come out and say something unless I have my facts down first. But with it comes this awareness, what's going to happen to a lot of people that aren't saved? And um, let's, let's go on for there.
Um, and we're actually pretty close to widening this thing up. Remember, I'm always talking about for every New Testament teaching, there's an Old Testament Bible study. In case you're wondering if, if that's not the case, um, we're getting to close up this morning by looking at Galatians chapter four. So let's go to Galatians chapter four. And while you're turning, God made promises to Abraham that because of his faithfulness in believing the promise that he would be the father of many nations. Do you know that the Lord has made you promises? And um, we're gonna read this, that it's not just for, um, it's not just for the Jews that these promises are, but God's given you promises. Here's a great one. I'm never gonna leave you or forsake you, never. I will work out all things together for good. So no matter what's gonna, God's gonna figure out a way to work whatever you're going through. That's his promise. He's gonna work it out for good. I'm going to prepare a place for you, John 14. And he says that where I am, you may be also. That's called, he's gonna, and he said, and if I go, I'm gonna come again and take you where I am. We call that the rapture of the church, John 14. And I will keep you from that great hour of trial that's gonna come upon the whole world. That's what he told the church of Philadelphia. You're little in strength, you've kept my word, so I'm gonna take you from, keep you from going into the hour of trial that's gonna affect the whole planet. It can only mean the tribulation. So the promise that we will not enter this um, terrible period of time. But here's my favorite one. And why are people so afraid today? Um, uh, those who don't, do not know the Lord? Simple. They're afraid to die. Can I say it again? They're afraid to die. Jesus said, he who lives and believes in me shall never die. I'm the resurrection and the life, and he who lives and believes in me, you are never going to die. I'm kind of hoping for the rapture myself, but if uh, China comes after us with their guns, I'm just going to say, don't miss. <laughs> and, um, but those are promises that are left to us. Okay, we've had the Old Testament picture. Now here's the New Testament Bible study. It's just in verses 21 to 31 in chapter Galatians 4, where it tells us in 21, tell me you who desire to be under the law. Do you really understand the law? Remember, up so far in Romans, what's it about? Getting away from religion and have your salvation based on faith and grace alone. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. The one was a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. Ishmael and um, Isaac, Ishmael. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. I rest my case for saying for every New Testament teaching, we have an Old Testament picture. It says so right here. This is a symbol. It's a picture. 
the two covenants, the one from Mount Zion, uh, Sinai, which is, of course, the commandments, which gave birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of all. Here it is, for it is written. Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who do not travail. For the desolate has many more children than she who has has a husband. Now, here's the application for you and I as we close this morning. For we, brethren, as Isaac, are of the children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him, who has born according to the spirit, even so now, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman with her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Um, We made it through, let's go back to our text. Verse 20, we'll pick it up and we'll read through the first two verses of five this morning as we close. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God, chapter four, verse 20 of Romans. Unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And having fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake only that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. There shouldn't be a a pause between four and five. You know why? Because it says the word therefore. It's connecting what's just been said. Therefore, because it's all about what Jesus did and not what I do. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Amen. Let's stand and we'll close the word of prayer. Lord, as we make our way through Galatians and Romans and Genesis and we see these pictures laid out before us of Ishmael and Isaac and Abraham and Sarah. Uh, First of all, we pray like the man who had faith but says, Lord, help my unbelief and we're just asking for more. So help us keep our nose in your word and um, um, increase our faith as we study your word. Lord, with the craziness that the world is in today, we ask for wisdom and how we communicate with loved ones and friends. And uh, the bottom line 
with all this is really, where are you going? It's not about an app, um, a worldwide pandemic or even global war. It's all about if we're saved and our sins are forgiven. So I pray this morning in closing for anyone who has never accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior, that it's as easy as simply asking the Lord into your heart to ask him to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. And my Bible says that your name will be put in the book of life and that there will be angels rejoicing in heaven because of it. I pray for that one here or maybe those watching live stream. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.